not a general podcast it's universal welcome to the universal podcast i'm your host universal and we're gonna have a really splendid podcast today we haven't we have a guest today we have the dean from the from the books voice podcast introduce yourself today hello (laughs) how's it going it's going swell tell tell us about yourself yeah no thanks for thanks for having me on so i'm as you said i'm the dean or you can just call me dean uh from the books boys podcast um you know if i don't if i don't talk about the podcast if i just tell you something about myself generally i'm a as well as a podcaster i'm also a musician and an artist so i paint i dabble a little bit with music and i'm just trying to find a way to make all of those things you know pay (laughs) Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, do you usually stick with like, you know, like traditional art, or more like a digital artist? Um, I I do. So until about two years ago, I had never done any art at all. And then I saw they were advertising life drawing classes, like nude drawing. And Ooh. I was like, really? I don't think that's, I thought that was, you know, just in movies or something like, you know, maybe in big cities. I didn't think mm-hmm. that was going to happen in, in Northern Ireland. So I went along and now sure enough, mm-hmm. it was like the full thing. And the first few weeks, my drawings were atrocious. They were like a five-year-old did them. But then, you know, over two years, I got a lot better. And then I started not just drawing, but also painting. And then I started doing a few, mm-hmm. you know, different stuff. Not all life drawing, a few landscapes and things. So kind of branch out a little bit. Oh, that's pretty sick. Well, uh, so, so art, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a painter myself. I'm an artist myself. What kind of paint do you usually use? So for, for a long time, I was doing a mix of either acrylic or oil pastels, but just in the last few months, I've started using oil paints. Ooh, and ooh, oil paints. Oil paints. But I'm still kind nice of getting people. used to the to those, you know, because I was used to acrylic for, you know, a year and a half. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I relate to that. I dabble a lot in like a mixture of uh, mediums because I like to do uh, digital art now, but I used to like doing watercolor a lot, but I liked oil painting and then spray painting and graffiti art was also really really fun as well because of how uh oh, yeah. how in- innovative a lot of the decision making <laughs> in making certain sceneries um is very different than traditional art a lot of times you'll have like weird objects that you would use to make like the sun or like moons and stuff you'll like use bowls and cans and stuff to make perfect circles it's pretty interesting um, you wow. also get to play Ooh. with fire a little bit so it's cool and you said you're a musician too you like play instruments uh, is it multiple or just like a um, yeah, so guy. like I dabble. What, what the way I did music was I didn't literally traditionally learn to play any instruments. I just learned enough to get the sounds that I wanted, and then just a lot of post-production, basically. Mm-hmm. So I do a little bit of guitar, a little bit of keyboard, some vocals, and then I use the keyboard just for percussion as well, so I can kind of make a full song. I think I've been doing that for about twelve years, and I've recorded over two hundred songs. Oh wow! Oh, ha- really? Oh wow! Have music. you been doing it? Uh, have you been doing it solo, or have you had a band before? Um, so I've done about ninety percent of it solo, and then a little bit of it I've done um, with other people. Most of that mm-hmm. was actually with PJ, my co-host from Books Boys. He's done a few songs with me over the years, um, and then just this year. I did two songs with someone else for the first time, and that was new for me because I'd only ever worked with PJ before. Hmm, that's cool. Well, What's your be- um, well, but um, before we go, before we go into your um, po- uh, your podcast and PJ, uh, I know you had a podcast before you started Books Brothers. You had the Dean Show. 
how did you start how what was your start in when it comes to podcasts? yes so oh guys that's a, a weird story so it was the, <laughs> the dean show because i was the dean so it was the the dean show so that was like made it impossible for anyone to find it because it had like two the's in the in the title but <laughs> i i started that when i was 16 um i used to i used to like when when i was younger i, I used to like a lot of uh, pro wrestling and someone mm. asked me, like, well, why don't you do a show? And I was like, okay, I can do that. But then, you know, a few episodes in, I realized I don't really want to do a show about wrestling. I want to do just, you know, a lot of other comedy stuff and little skits and various different things. So I ended up uh, farming out the wrestling to uh, someone else. They did a wrestling show on my network. And then I just did a second show where I just, you know, talked about silly things, did some skits, played some music, um, used to interview mm -hmm. musicians. So we would go through their album, you know, track by track, almost note by note sometimes, just talking about the production, about the lyrics, everything. And then I my, I had a, a co-host who was uh, a, a Thaddeus Penguin, and he just said, Mah! and he made, the, he made me tea while I <laughs> produced the show. So. That's adorable. <laughs> Can we still uh, so view the, the Dean show? You, you will not even find that online anymore. I took it all down when I started uh, this show. <laughs> you got to bring back the old cold host so he can make you more tea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's real. That is super cute. Also, Asia, I'm sorry, because I know you had a question earlier. What was your question? Oh, I was going to ask him uh, what uh, programs did he for uh, his music? So I obviously I've got my instruments and things and I plug in and um, I neglected to mention I've also got this cool little mini synth keyboard thing so that like just fleshes out the sound a bit as well and um, mm. but I usually just record directly into audacity and then I spend I think most of my time is spent editing not actually recording so there's just like a lot of looping and a lot of overdubbing and harmonizing and effects you know to kind of flesh out my very limited musical ability into something resembling a song. But that's oh. why I like working mm -hmm. with PJ, because he can actually play the instruments. So he can actually play <laughs> piano and guitar and harmonica and about 10 other things. Oh, wow. That's actually really cool. Well, speaking of PJ, how, um, so how and when did you guys come up with the concept of Book Boys? So Books Boys. I, I've known PJ since, uh, since university or, or college, I guess. And we, mm -hmm. so about 10 years now, 11 years, something like that. And we, he lived here when I, when I was in college, but he hasn't lived here for eight years. So we've just been keeping in touch, you know, just by doing uh, Skype calls originally and now, you know, Facebook calls or whatever. And, mm -hmm. you know, roughly we would just be chatting to each other maybe once a week. And we would always get to chatting about what we'd been reading. And then we realized we were having like, you know, two hour calls because we were spending a full hour or so just talking about books. And then I said to him, do you think that we should just like record that basically and make that a show? And he's like, you know, I was going to ask you the same thing. I was thinking, why are we not making this a show? So we did. It's actually funny because yeah. me and Crystal, actually, we met at uh, university as well. We started um, man college and community college <laughs> and yeah um, so. you know we kind of just been friends going on and she really wanted to get into podcasting and um i i started into streaming i started my channel lucid grieving um and it, it went really well um i ended up having to stop uh because of just personal reasons and whatnot and i'm just going to get back into it in the future but in the process of that she was like i want to start a podcast and i was like well, I can probably learn how to set that up, and here we are. <laughs> I started becoming like the tech guy to help her with 
her dream and became like this nice little family here. Nice. Oh, yeah. And did, did you find it a lot of work with the initial setup? Because it can take a lot of time to get everything ready. Yeah. Um, yeah. The <laughs> hardest part for setting up was because I like to go above and beyond was designing like the animations and little setups for the OBS and for video recordings. And of course, I decided to make the animation myself from scratch using pixel art, which is something I've never done before in my life. <laughs> okay, and wow. I just took it up and that was the main is hard part. And then figuring out what we were going to talk about started becoming a thing and really trying to grasp what was going on and communicating with the vast amount of people who were a part of our initial team. It's been interesting, but uh, definitely the setup was uh, a little bit on the strenuous side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With the with the podcast itself, um, like I'm 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 happy and I'm thankful for everyone who's who who's who stick who stuck with me with the podcast, especially Asia, because <laughs> because honestly, without him, I I don't know what I would do. <laughs> but um, but yeah, the podcast, I'm I'm I'm. It's my it's it's the baby it's something i'm extremely extremely passionate about and it's part of and it's, it's part of um the foundation of me getting into media in the media industry and i already had years experience with media so it's something I'm, I'm extremely happy about and i'm glad to meet other folks who do podcasts or in or, or also in the industry as well but um which was which, which um which brings me to my next question since you are a veteran in podcasting how does the how do you how does doing the books boys feel different from doing the dean show mm. it's it's very different because first of all uh, i do try to keep it a bit more professional than i did back then when i was very young and i was just messing around for half the time but also like the the, the climate's changed and when i when i came on my my initial ideas mm -hmm. were i'm just going to do everything exactly the same as i did when i started 12 years ago on the at the previous show which ran for four years uh, by the way and i just mm -hmm. kind of realized like oh no the climate's changed like there's a lot of new tools a lot of new software a lot of new websites i didn't do anything on social media really before you know i didn't have any twitter or instagram stuff it was very I felt things were a lot simpler and now there's like a lot more going on and it's cool and it's exciting and you know I think podcasting is a lot bigger than it was then as well so everyone seems to, to be doing it you know whereas back then it was it was taking off but it wasn't quite as as big you know yeah podcasting especially blew up and you know with the recent uh worldwide issues that's been going on a lot more people are willing to listen to media and entertainment to you know and uh, to pass the time and keep themselves entertained during uh, a lot of times when people are stuck at home and not able to go out and do the things that they normally are able to do. So I'm sure podcasting and a lot of other entertainment mediums really blew up. Did you uh, see any yeah. like, increase in surges like with viewership during? Yeah, I mean, already we're only six months in and we're I mean already more popular than the old show was for most of its four year run. Um, mm -hmm. but, but not oh, only wow. that, um, once we get popular enough, I know that, you know, nowadays there are ways to 
monetize podcasts and um, although we haven't started that yet i think we're still way too early but that just didn't exist you know back then apart from one or two you know famous people doing podcasts the majority of mm-hmm. it, you were not going to make money it was purely a hobby and that was it you know there was no patreon there was no subscription type stuff or mm-hmm. youtube ads or anything like that you know mm-hmm. and that um but going in but going into the concept of your podcast when you showcase when you showcase books on your podcast um are those are are they books that that kind of that kind of resonate with you personally or is it based off uh or is it based off a concept or just something or just something you found interesting that for that week or for that day no so the honest the honest answer is um the majority of the time I'm just reading what I would have normally read anyway. You know, I've always been a big reader. I try to hit a book a week just in general. Um, so it, it's no like extra work to kind of read those for the show and talk about it. I've got my bookcase here. At any given time, I have, you know, anything from five to 10 to maybe even 20 books just in my queue that I, I, I know exactly what I'm reading from now till June, you know? So um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it was no extra hassle to just talk about those. I, I typically just go for books that I would just like to read. So what what happened was about a year ago, uh, maybe maybe a year and a half ago now, I did a binge on uh, Charles Dickens and I just read all of Dickens. And I thought, mm-hmm. okay, this is the best thing I've ever read in my life. I want to read his contemporaries. So that's why a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about on the podcast is stuff from around the same time, like Wilkie Collins and mm-hmm. the Bronte sisters and Dumas and stuff like that. So I'm in that time period at the moment, but that's not to say that I'll always be there. But um, <laughs> and that also that that goes on to my to my next question for each for each episode, for each episode of your podcast. Um, what is the main key point that keeps your your listeners of coming back? I think we don't take it. You know, although we do it a bit more professionally than the stuff I did years ago, we do kind of keep the tone light as well, and we have this ongoing joke. We have two ongoing jokes in the podcast. Um, one is that you know we think that these kids like gen z kids don't, don't know what books are because they're too busy with their you know ipads or their twitters <laughs> so we're just like does do these kids know what the books are like yeah we and we just kind of have this ongoing like joke uh, and then the other ongoing joke it relates to uh, the russian novel anna karenina and um, because about about 60 or 70 percent of that novel is just farming and it's a really long book that could have been cut way way down so anytime we read a short book, we always say like, oh, they just forgot to include their 500 page farming manual in the middle. So <laughs> that's cool. That's funny. Also, side question. Do, so would you prefer the hard copy or an online version of book? Oh, hard copy. Absolutely. Every time I will not read anything online. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't mind reading, you know, a short story or something like that. But I, mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't read a book online. I've, I've, I've never really tried it. The idea, something we talk about on the show is that we both have our, this favorite bookshop uh, in Belfast, in Northern Ireland, where I, where I live, and mm-hmm. it's just a shop with thousands of books, floor to ceiling. They're like quadruple stacked, oh. so you can't even see all the books. You've got to move books to get to more books. And we oh, just man. love going in, and they're all that cheap. They're all like you know two pounds, you know, which is I guess like two two dollars fifty or something. Like they're really cheap, you know. And we just buy. We will leave with bags full of books, and it just seems pointless to read them online when I can get so many amazing books so cheaply, you know. Yeah, seriously. 
yeah. I mean, they're cumbersome. You know, if I go on holiday or anything, I'm bringing like five big hardback books with me. But yeah. Hmm. So when you uh, talk talk about books on your podcast, do you uh, are you uh, very like honest with your, you know your views, or do you feel like uh, some outside views dictate you know like how you may review or talk about certain books? Say if you talk about a book that may be controversial or something that most people didn't like, mm-hmm. does that change your view, or are you just like mm. true to yourself? You know. I mean, luckily, in the few episodes that we've done so far, we haven't come up against anything massively controversial. Um, I mean, as an example, we were considering doing a Shakespeare play, and we haven't done it yet. But I said to PJ, well, what about uh, The Taming of the Shrew? And he said, I think that's just too controversial. He said, like, I just think that's going to get us down this weird, like, sexist quagmire that we can't get ourselves back from. Like, let's (laughs) do literally any other Shakespeare play, you know, let's just any other one. So... I thought, okay, that's that's fair, and we settled on um, Midsummer Night's Dream, and then mm-hmm. by a pure coincidence, mm-hmm. the book I read last week, um, which was an H.G. Wells book, The Wife of Sir Isaac Carman, uh, has a lot of references to The Taming of the Shrew, which I wasn't expecting. So now I think PJ is going to think I've sabotaged him by bringing The Taming of the Shrew in by stealth on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Oh, wow. So would you but, consider? No, we haven't, we haven't got into anything until this. We haven't <laughs> into anything massively controversial, and hmm. ideally, I would like to avoid that if we if we can. But at the same time, we will give an honest opinion on things, you know. And, and I wouldn't necessarily shy away from if I have read something, you know, giving my real opinion on it. And I don't mind no, I saying if fair. I think something was good or not, you know. Yeah, yeah that, I think fair. that's fair. That's understandable. Okay. But, well. Um. Don't you have a, I, I know you were trying to say something earlier. Oh, me? <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I was pretty much just going to just ask him, like, would you consider yourself a book critic? Oh. Mm. I think... I mean, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say that the term doesn't apply because I, you know, I, I do criticize and I do give positive and, and negative feedback. But I think I'm maybe too nice and I love reading too much to be, like, a real critic because I think mm-hmm. the majority of the time... I focus on the positives, you know, and I say what I liked about the book. And don't get me wrong, if I read a book that's just garbage, I will say so, but it's not that often, you know, because I know what I like and I typically read what I like, you know, so there's not a lot of negativity and I try not to bring too much negativity on the show. So I think just in that sense, I wouldn't fit the label of like a traditional book critic. Okay, that's actually really interesting. That that's a, that's really interesting. Um, before we go on to the to the to the next part, I do want to ask. So, if you were to hear from an opinion from from two types of entities, would you rather hear an opinion from a, a regular book critic or, per se, a book club? A book club, I think. Yeah, every mm-hmm. time because maybe it's not fair of me, but I feel like a, a critic of any kind. You know, I mean, I suppose they do have some expertise in their field, but they're. They, they're getting just paid to to kind of you know to say something that that a lot of the time is negative or is, is actually you know reviewing critically and almost looking for fault. Whereas a book club, you're going to get just avid readers who like to read and who want to talk about it and who are happy with the books. And I would much prefer that. Yeah, that seems very fair. I feel like you know critics can be a little bit more stuck up and more on their high horse when they have the requirements for books because they have. Exactly. They yeah. have their holy grail of what they like, and they they stick to it. And if a book doesn't reach that criteria, they tend to be more critical about it. And I think that's I think it's more fair when you have just lovers of books and book 
Don't want people giving it. Yeah. Right. It's, it's best to have it's best to have the hearts the heart of books and then the the, the nose to be stuck up on books. Exactly. So. Would you ever consider writing a book? <laughs> have you have you written books? So I haven't. Um, I, I've been considering it lately, but I just I just don't know if I have it in me. I don't know if I could. Um, now PJ has written a novel. Uh, he's trying to get it published, and I did some illustrations for that novel. Um, so I'm happy to like do illustrative work on novels. But as for actually writing one, I don't know. Maybe maybe one day. Um, I, it's not that I. It's not that I wouldn't like to do it. I just have never yet had an idea that was you know original enough. And I think I would be a big harsh critic on myself. I wouldn't want to just write a 200 page. Um, novel that's kind of generic you know I would want to write classic high literature I would want to write an 800 page Dickens type novel with a hundred different characters and a really intricate plot and I know that that would be really difficult and I just I don't know if I could do that mm, yeah it is definitely yeah, a lot different well I mean all right well uh, I hope that you do actually come along with some good projects maybe one day because uh, um if you do we'll definitely shout it out on our podcast and talk cool. about it um oh absolutely. i'd love to see some of your illustrations as well because you know art's always <laughs> yeah well we actually have two things that we're kind of working on uh, you know together with pj um so there's his novel itself um mm -hmm. and then there's also a poetry book um because he also writes poetry and, and what we've done is we've done mm -hmm. each poem has a painting to go with it um, so we've got oh, about yeah. 16 and we want to get maybe 20 to 25 and then try to to get those um you know published so we're working on that as well have you guys done um per per performance poetry not yet no that's i could see pj doing that but i'm a bit more shy <laughs> i wouldn't get on a public stage and do anything you know if i can sit in the audience while he does something that would be fine <laughs> uh, yeah would you would you write something for pj and have him go up there and perform it for you yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind that. Um, I remember cool. you just kind of reminded me. I remember years ago, I was uh, um, going back, you know, a decade. I was in PJ's house, and his father's a, a musician from from uh, the south of Ireland, and um, we were just working on a song together. And his dad said, "You know, this is a really good one, Dean. Why why do you never play any of your songs live?" And I said, "Well, I just I just couldn't. Like, I just that's terrifying to me. You know, <laughs> I just couldn't imagine mm -hmm. doing that." Yeah, I mean, stage fright is something serious, you know, uh, even when I perform every now and then, it's just like an entirely new level of just anxiety and nervousness right before yeah. you get out there. I feel like it, the build oh, yeah, up before yeah. you get out there is worse than actually being out there sometimes. And then once you just get in the groove there, once you're there. Yeah, exactly. Like once you get into it, you're just like, all right, I already started. So I've already embarrassed myself to the maximum degree. So I might as well finish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm already here. So, so let me just, let me just get, let me just put 110% on it. And then, and then I can scream later. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I actually want to ask you a little bit more about books and a common thing with Gen Zers and millennials, younger, younger millennials, um, is, uh, comics and manga. Do you consider those books and do you do reviews for those as well? Or do you separate mm. them? Um, I personally wouldn't consider them books. I would have nothing against them. I haven't really read any or reviewed any. Now we did have a problem on episode two, I think it was, that, that PJ gave a recommendation, which was uh, uh, some kind of comic. And mm -hmm. I was like, no, that's that's not a book. What are you trying to get us all to read 
but you know spider-man or some you know garbage and he was like no this is this is a real <laughs> thing it's got good stories and i was like no i, I don't know this this isn't dickens this isn't shakespeare you know so maybe i'm the snob i don't, I don't know <laughs> no that's completely fair um do you feel the same if a, a manga or a comic was made from an adaptation of a novel like i know that they have like uh oh yeah a like lot of shakespeare and manga and um, a lot of um you know what is mm. it uh Jordan Peterson, I think his name is. Um, a lot of his writings are actually put into graphic novels as well. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I think that. I think they're perfect. You know, it's perfectly legitimate. I think it's just something I never really got into. And rather than reading manga, I would always prefer to watch an anime if there's one, because um, I, you know, I do like anime. Um, but I never really got into reading manga or, or comics, and that's that's my fault you know that's that's nothing against the medium that's just something that i didn't get into so i wouldn't necessarily say anything bad about them other they're not they're, they're, you know i'm not saying they've got no place on a book show it's just something that i haven't really dabbled in myself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's fair well you heard it here first everybody mangas aren't books confirmed <laughs> <laughs> just give me so, uh, the, 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 there will be there will be some there will be some interesting discussions but but it'll but great discussions either way so can I can I ask you guys a, a very slightly linked question? If yeah, you sure. listen to sure, an sure. audiobook, would you say that you'd read the book, or would you think that that's hmm. a bit too much to say? Okay, I mean, a lot of audiobooks is just somebody reading the book. So I mean, it, I guess it's not necessarily that you read the book; you listened to the book. But <laughs> I mean, if it's word for word, it's really the same thing. But I feel like an audiobook takes a a way and experience that reading gives. With reading, you get your own personal development with the characters, your own imagery, your own idea of what's happening. But when you hear someone else reading it, I feel like they they have their own implications with the tone on how they read and their voice and what they may present with mm -hmm. certain things. And I feel like, yeah, you technically, yeah, you read the book, you read it for everything that it is, but I feel like you didn't get the same experience as someone who personally read it itself, you know? I think you lose something. I mean, obviously not not nearly as much as, you know, watching a movie adaptation where it's all there, you can see the characters and everything, oh, you know, definitely. You, that takes away all your imagination. But an audiobook, I think you're right, it does take away a little bit, you know, you lose something. Mm. What, what I like about books is just the, for example, the book I'm reading at the moment, it was literally mm -hmm. printed in 1898. It's this dusty ass old book. It's falling apart almost as I read it, you know, but it's it's just it's just lovely. Like there's just something that smell of the old paper, the feel of the book, you know, mm -hmm. I just mm -hmm. I just like that. Mm -hmm. I, I I would lose that whether it was a a Kindle or or an audiobook or anything, you know, I would just lose that little something. And do you know one of the sweetest things? Sometimes I've bought books and they've been second, third, fourth, fifth hand, you know, I don't know how many people have read these in the past and I've picked it up for two pounds. And in the inside cover, there's been a little note to someone, you know, Merry Christmas or Happy Birthday. Here's, uh, you know, a gift. And it's been signed mm -hmm. or dated, you know, 1944 or something. And it's during the Second World War Ooh. and someone got, and it's, that's magical. And I'll never get that anywhere other than a used book. Yeah, exactly. It's actually really, that's really fair. nice. Um, so um, when you put that question, when you were putting to, um, that question out there, there was two things I was thinking. Um, me personally, I like audiobooks, but I prefer to read. I prefer to um, listen to audiobooks while I'm actually reading the book as well. Um, that's oh, just my that's just my preference with it as well. Um, so would you would you but, like read a section and then listen to the section you've already read, or how would you do that? I would play the audiobook while uh, I'll I'll play the chapter on the audiobook while I'm reading the chapter. It, it's just oh, right, like, at the same time. Cool. Oh, like a yeah, at the same time. 
it's, it's something I it's something that I personally have grown um, grown up on, and it's it, and it adds more to the, it adds more to the imagination. It's something I really love, but also it give it gave me the idea. So when you were so per se in a kindergarten to se- a second grade, basically pri- like early primary school, pri- primary elementary. Mm-hmm. Which you consider when you know when your teacher will gather all the kids, all gather all the kids, and be like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna read a story today." Would you consider a teacher reading you a story, being you uh, indicating oh. that you have read that story? Yeah, that is a really good point. Mm. I think. I think I would say that anything other than you physically holding and reading the book, you haven't read the book. But that's not to say that you haven't got, you know, 99% of the experience of the book. You know, it's perfectly mm-hmm. legitimate to listen to someone read you the book. I like being read stories. Mm-hmm. And I like reading stories to other people. And I think in audiobook is almost similar. You do experience the whole book and that's great. And I think that's perfectly fine. Um, but I don't know if I would say I've read the book in that instance, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like the same still applies as well. You know, and you can you, have all you, you know, you can have something. opinions on it. You can say that you liked the story. You can still have all the same views, but it's just mm-hmm. that that word. I read it. I just don't know if I can stretch to that if I didn't physically hold it in my hands and read it. You know. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. actually very fair. I, I get that. And um, but go, but going on to reading and writing. So, what do you think about the changes with reading and writing? a book since online is starting since on the internet when it comes to websites forums and social media where people are creating online books like per se wattpad and tumblr those are big and that's where gen that's where i've noticed where a lot of gen z's are really like reading their books they're reading books online from other people from other users who are creating books wow that is new to me i might be too old or just not hip enough to know that that was even happening <laughs> it's been going uh, yeah. there's um the the biggest one of the biggest well-known platform is called um wattpad and they've been they've been around for like a, a decade or a decade or so that and tumblr so t- well tumblr is more social media based but wattpad is particularly just for books where people will put will put original content or will try to copy and paste something else that exists and just add their own <laughs> little characters because <laughs> I've seen that happen. <laughs> but people will create books online, and and there has been some points where some of those books actually became movies or 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 turned into short films or TV shows. <laughs> but <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's an example of something that started from a. Uh... From those type of boards and stuff that led into also 50 shades of gray right oh, oh yeah most uh, when 50 shades of gray became huge people used to copy and paste that entire book online and wow. it, it was a huge trend it was a huge trend to copy and paste uh, 50 shades of gray but add your own little characters and just replace all the um all the main characters that, that are important <laughs> But yeah, people um, create their own. People have created their own books online. Some people have become act- like pretty famous on there, and it helps and it helps their brand. And it, but also, of course, you're gonna have. But of course, you're gonna have their controversies um, based on what kind of book style it is. And there has been certain. There has been um, talks of how certain how people take their information 
or their study on certain books and take it a, a little bit too seriously, especially if it's in the case of using um, known characters or known figures into books. Yeah. At what point does something, you know, really like go from an original creation to plagiarism, you know? Where is that line on when mm. it comes to writing and you know? Mm hmm That's a tricky question because I mean I guess maybe I guess I've always been aware that like fan fiction, you know, was a thing, but I always assumed that it was just people having a bit of a laugh, you know, having fun, writing a few little short stories and not taking it really seriously or, or considering it to be a work in itself. So the idea that, you know, well, actually it could be really good and could be almost, you know, a separate work, that's curious because then you don't have the rights to the mm -hmm. characters. So that just opens up mm -hmm. problems, I guess. I mean, wouldn't you just change some names and write something similar and then it's original? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, you know, just change the names of the characters and anyone could put their own ideas into it but i guess that takes it away from it being a fanfic then doesn't it, it yeah it, obviously it, it, it takes that away yeah it takes that away and it takes that away and it also takes out the experience of what precisely you wanted your story to look like and sound like but like oh like for example like for example if people were to put harry potter characters in in into a fan fiction but but they wanted to make but they wanted to be like an original they wanted to look like an original story so they'll like some people will put pictures of the characters but replace the names with something else that can and work yeah it, it can it can work but it will it, will, it can work but to i guess to to be to, to please one can't please the other it will it hmm. it it will cause confusion and confusion and uh, in some cases controversy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the solution is there. I guess if your if your thing is so good that you know someone wants to make a movie or whatever, then I guess you just have mm -hmm. to negotiate the legal rights to the characters at that point. You know, if it's just a story mm -hmm. online, I guess that's fine. Like no one's gonna kind of care too much. But yeah, once someone mm -hmm. wants to use your work for something then I guess you got to have a legal issue over the rights and that's a bit of a mess, but I guess there's no way around that. Um, so that, that that leads me back into the question. Do you think the, um, the experience of reading a, reading a traditional book to an online book, do you, do you think is there a big similarity, a big, a big difference between the two, especially since people are treating them like two different spectrums? Mm. You know, the honest answer is, I suppose, realistically, it is more or less the same. It, it, it sort of pains me to say that just because I love my physical books, but it just, yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's the same. You know, if, if I choose to read a, a book online, it's, yeah, it's, it's no less of a reading experience than, than reading something that someone's written online and only put online. And I suppose the good thing about the internet is that it, it gets a lot more exposure you know, so you're saying people can just put this stuff online and, and a lot of people can see it very easily. And that's great. That gives so many people so many more opportunities than they would have had before. I mean, I can't remember exactly what the book was, but I read a book a month or two ago and the guy wanted to get some poems published. And he had to physically, you know, write out his poems, send them to newspapers and then wait, you know, months to see if they would print it in their newspaper or magazine. You know, now you can just put it online and a thousand people can see it. That's amazing. So I, I wouldn't want to take away from that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh... I feel like I can oh, agree with that. 
Yeah, I feel like I mm -hmm. can agree with that. Like, fundamentally, like, you're reading the same material. So it really, I feel like it just takes away from that experience of having the copy. I feel like having the technology against the paper is really what's being, this was miss missing and it misses that experience. I feel like with, with books, you have the hard copy, especially with um, special edition type books. Like, um, have you ever mm -hmm. seen the, uh, the, the Fahrenheit? book the special edition version of it where in order for you to read it you have to like light a match on it or like put fire to it and then the, the letter the wording wow. appears it's amazing copy i i mean i have the book but i don't have a special edition i didn't know that that was a thing that is amazing yeah i saw it online it's like all the pages are black and the only way you can get the pages so you can read the words you have to light it with fire and it's really really cool or heat in general uh, most people use like lighters uh, I've seen in the videos and it's the coolest thing ever and I'm like that's an experience that I feel like you can only really have with a physical copy yeah you're not gonna get that any other way yeah although I think an experience quite that cool is also rare you know but... yeah it is very rare but you know even without that like you were saying before like you know reading a very old book that's been beat up and stuff like that and finding like letters and things like uh, you know notes and interest store pins from like previous owners definitely is another experience that mm -hmm. brings more authenticity yeah. to I'm... the reading than anything electronic too i think yeah, more absolutely. people need to read real books so about two years ago maybe three years ago now i took out a year's membership for uh the university library here because i wanted to read a lot of uh, i have a big interest in ancient greece and a lot of my my college degree was on, on ancient Greek history, and I wanted to read a lot of texts, uh, just boring stuff like court speeches and laws <laughs> and things, but that's, you know, a hobby of mine, just ancient Greek trial cases, basically. But uh, I went in and funny I said, enough, oh we were Funny enough, oh, we ahead. were doing mythology for a while. We were doing mythology episodes. <laughs> Those are coming very soon. Very good, very good. I do like my mythology, but for some reason, I've all... I don't know why, because in like mythology is clearly the cooler, more fun stuff. But I always didn't go as mm -hmm. much in for that as I did for just pure history, and I don't know. I don't know why, but I just love. I mean, for example, on my bookshelf, I've got just collections of like legal texts from Athens. I don't know. I guess that's really boring. But I went to this library to to get those, and there was you know thousands of old, dusty, leather-bound books, and no one was reading Ooh. them. It was just a bunch of millennials with with their you know their laptops and their Macs, and I was so sad and I wanted to scream like put your damn laptop away and read the books. There's so many books and yeah. you know no one was reading them. <laughs> yeah, you're very uh, a very big lover of the traditional sense of reading for sure. I can see that. It's oh, the aesthetic. Yeah. It's just the, the the touching the book and the feel of the paper and the smell and the. I just like it, you know. Yeah, definitely. Well, since we're on the topic of like uh, print books versus like uh, e-readers or um, technology readers, um, how, have you heard about the uh, the arguments that people have been making online about the e-reader versus print books in terms of environment, like eco-friendly, those type of things? How e-reading is more eco-friendly printing? Do you feel? Like yeah, that's you a, know, on that argument? I have to. I have to totally concede that point. You're, you know, that's it's it's right. It is, and mm. I suppose in terms of a long-term kind of future, that is more beneficial for our environment or for the planet. And uh, I, I have to totally concede that. Um, in my, the only thing I can say for myself is that I almost never buy a new book. 
it's always cheap secondhand books. I love the idea of just recycling books. I want a hundred people to read that <laughs> same book, you know? I was actually just about to follow up with that. It's like, do you think that newer developed books, should they primarily focus on e-reading and uh, reduce their amount of print that they would typically probably have done in probably even the early 2000s where e-reading was big? And... Yeah. Although it, it gives me a little little pain inside and I cry a silent tear, I think, yes, that we probably should focus more on, on kind of e-reading going forward, especially with the new generations of kids being so much more familiar with kind of doing everything through technology anyway. We might as well do that if it's going to be beneficial. Yeah, well, also, in, in, in a sense, it makes uh, it more of a relic, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Like if they print less books for the environment, so there's less copies available out in the world and you get your hands on it make more of a relic for the yeah i suppose it does it makes it almost makes you know given enough time it almost makes every book a collectible you know yeah seriously yeah that was actually something i was i was thinking of like would um in as as the future come and technology is more and more taking over do you think um printing books books being a hand like 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 printed books do you think they're going to slowly decrease to the point that they almost die down will, will, will there ever be an end of printing um, printed books and everything's going to move to tech move to um e-readers mm. i think eventually i could see that that might take a few generations for it to totally disappear but yeah i could i could see that happening um, or at the very mm. least at the very least, it'll be more of like a print to order where you can, you know, you only they only print the copy that someone already buys rather than printing a you know a million copies and shipping them out to shops. I think that'll mm. at least happen. Yeah, mm. I, I think that's that's probably more realistic. But I do also feel um, with the expansion to books constantly going to technology, I feel like the pirating of books is also going to increase as well. Mm. yeah that's true that might take away from the market and take away from the real possibility of things going only to ebooks and making people consistently want to make things physical so people you know do actually fund the authors and the writers of these books instead of just going online and reading it on freebooks.com slash virus here yes <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> um speaking speaking of online and people so i've noticed this recently but there is a challenge online where people are challenging others to read a book or two a week what they would call the hashtag read a book a week and <clears throat> instead of using it as a way for people to encourage others like hey get into the practice of reading a book or like get into the hobby of reading more books they're using it as a way to I, per se one up or flex on another person that hey i've read more books than you i'm more intelligent than you what do you think how, what do you think about people using reading not as a not in the sense of getting people into the hobby of it but using it as a way to flex on flex on nah. others and also using it as a challenge so i'm not a fan of people because they do this kind of thing and this is horrible <laughs> i don't know why they would do that but yeah i mean i guess that's what happens uh, you know the internet is full of stuff like that and challenges and things and to an extent it's it has its good point you know if more if more reading is going on then obviously there is a positive in there but that's not the way to do it like 
if you read more than someone else that's fine as long as they read something and maybe without the challenge they wouldn't have read anything so that's great but i think that we should mm -hmm. encourage especially in schools and just in society in general we just need to encourage oh, more yeah. people to read I, you know and if a challenge helps with that brilliant but at the same time we shouldn't be it should only be positive you know we shouldn't be negative to people who haven't read as much or who missed a week or you know didn't get round to it that week like that's that's not helpful absolutely and um and the to into our closing argument for this interview and i'm really happy that we and i'm really happy we've talked we've talked a lot <laughs> today um for when it comes to books brothers and your continuing success what is what what is the message you want to put out today to um to the audience and wait, for wait. those who and that's hmm. a very good question but I, I was going to ask a, uh, a question based on a comment he just said. Um, and oh, I feel like okay, that ending ahead. question is absolutely beautiful, and I want that to be at the end of the podcast for sure. But uh, the question I was going to ask was, you, you said, like, you know, you don't really like people, and, you know, I agree. But <laughs> do you feel that <laughs> so the, more, the more in tune people get with books, do you feel like that makes them more introverted and less social, typically? Is there, like, a trend with that? Do you feel there is a trend with that, or do you feel like there's a separation? Hmm. In reality, I'm not sure. Like, I know there's a stereotype of the the little book mm -hmm. nerd, you know, the bookworm sitting, you know, reading while everyone else. And that was me when I was younger. You know, everyone else is, you know. So I remember uh, in uh, in school, I must have been around nine years old, ten years old, something like that, maybe eight, in and around that kind of age range. And uh, at that time, I didn't have any interest in art. And our teacher said, "We're all going to to draw." And I said, "Well, sorry, I don't want to draw. I want to read." And luckily I had a good teacher and she said, well, then I have an idea. You can sit in the middle of the room and read and we'll all draw you reading. And that happened. So like oh, I've been that perfect. guy. Oh, that who is I'll, I'll just so read cute. While that is beautiful. Else, you know? <laughs> That's a good teacher, dude. <laughs> that was a great. Oh, teacher, my God. Yeah. That was a great teacher. Because most teachers wouldn't have done that, to be fair. But that, that was a, that was really cool. But, you know, I think as a general point. Yeah, you're right. There is obviously that stereotype of the introverted kind of. Uh, book nerd but i don't think there needs to be i mean realistically if you've read more books not just books but if you read in general like just the more well read mm -hmm. you are the more the more you, conversational you could be the more things mm -hmm. you've got to talk about so i think it can only improve mm -hmm. someone yeah i agree okay. All right, and, and, uh, uh, i think i have one more question um it's okay. kind of going back again um do you take playwrights considered books or do you just separate them as mm. or scripts and stuff like that as well yeah again it's it's stuff that i i like to read i mean i i spent six months reading the complete works of shakespeare a couple of years back and i i love him and as i said we we're considering doing a couple of plays but we were maybe this answers your question we were considering doing the plays as bonus episodes rather than as actual book content on the show so i guess yeah. that answers the question yeah that does that does very much mm -hmm. that's very fair i like that uh, um, actually, before we do our our our, um, our closing our, our closing <laughs> question, because <laughs> I do have because I I was thinking about this earlier um, with Dean's original original idea when he got into concepts of wrestling. So, are you well? Are you still into it now or no? Just um a little bit. So, in honest, okay, the honest fair. truth is that I haven't watched the shows in a long time, but I listen to podcasts mm. that review them, so I kind of keep in with what's happening. 
Yeah, because I, I wanted to mention I, I I was interviewed by um a wrestling podcast a few months ago from wow. someone who was from someone who is in the who was in the indie scenes. And so and he knows and and he knows like big dogs and like indie darlings around. But I also want to I, I but I say this to ask um when you were thinking of, when you were doing uh the wrestling portion of podcasting was it all types of wrestling or was there particular particular companies mm. i mean i suppose the basic idea was that we would just review like the big stuff like wwe but i always had a soft mm. spot for an indie an indie promotion uh, which no longer oh, yeah. exists called uh Chikara. i absolutely yeah. love Chikara, <laughs> and I, I did talk about them a lot as far as i can recall um, but I'm going back almost 13 years, so it's difficult to kind of remember with with clarity. Oh, that's that's fair. It's it's, it's good because we when you shot you shocked me with the wrestling thing. I'm like, oh, <laughs> we get, <laughs> like oh another one. Uh, that's great for me to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I still I still follow like a lot of stuff that's going on. I just don't mm-hmm. like. I don't know, I'm, I'm sorry, and I, it's not good to say, but I'm not going to sit and watch the current WWE product because I just find it to be garbage. So, like, although I like to follow that, like to know what's going on, fair. I just can't watch that, it. <laughs> that is completely fair. It, things are different. Mm-hmm. Completely true to your opinion. Uh, I, I've never <laughs> been a wrestling fan except for, uh, like, actual, like, pro wrestling, not like the star wrestling, like, actual, you know, you're in the ring and you just got to to do down you get a point type thing <laughs> and also like oh, um... fun fact when i was younger i did some like uh, collegiate style wrestling as well mm-hmm. that's actually really mm-hmm. cool. definitely a jack of all trades it seems <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i've never been a fan of the whole you know stage performance wrestling era that's kind of come on television except for i kind of got into like sumo sumo was really entertaining seeing it live when i was mm-hmm. in japan that is that that's what... an environment man it's really fun there i don't know why it's so not, entertaining not even new japan and new japan is very cultural is very big and big in japan i know that yeah sumo they have events where like you'll have like the entire city just crowded with people ready to see these events sometimes it's really crazy and, um, mm-hmm. sometimes uh the sumo wrestlers are very social so you, you mm-hmm. sometimes after um certain competitions you can run into some of the these professional sumo wrestlers they'll talk to you i've talked to this one sumo wrestler i ran into at a bar once and uh he was just there um with you know his peoples and stuff and i had no idea he was a sumo wrestler until someone told me and they're like yeah you just had a conversation with like a million dollar <laughs> sumo wow. wrestler and i'm like oh i feel wrong that i just <laughs> kind of approached him like he was a regular person <laughs> but he was really sweet really cool and he probably appreciated that to be honest yeah maybe but yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. Have you actually uh, met any um, authors or writers? Um, I thought you were going to ask me if I'd re- met any wrestlers, and I was going to say yes. But I, no, I've not actually met any. I've done some interviews with authors, but in person, mm, I met a poet. Um, I, I met a poet who's released some stuff in in Belfast, but I haven't actually met any writers in person, like any famous writers. No. Hmm, okay. Mm. Yeah, we had a uh, Dom- Dominique Louchard on our show, and. He, she's a really really good writer did you, did you um did you watch that episode actually with uh dominique Bouchard yeah. when you checked out the podcast yeah that was yeah, a recent yeah. episode yeah okay i was That's the sure most that was recent, most one, recent yeah. one yeah uh did you were you interested in checking out her uh her books as well 
I was, and I'm glad you reminded me because I forgot to do that. <laughs> so I definitely will. Oh, oh, oh. That's great. Uh, no, honestly, uh, honestly, I think you should definitely check her stuff out. She is an incredible sweet person. Yeah, our, very our conversation, uh, our conversation before, during, and after um, recording was incredible, and um, she, she's someone I, I think you would have a great time if you if you would come in contact with her because she's. She's she's around in the podcast. She's she's coming around lately in the podcast scene, trying trying to promote her stuff. So I think it would, she will find it. A pre- I think um, you would appreciate a, a beautiful person like her. Awesome. Yeah. No. I think. I mean. I think so. From what I from what I heard. So that's that's a really good idea. Actually, I think I'll try and get a hold of some of her stuff first and, and see if I can get a chat with her maybe down the line. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Cool. 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 cool, cool. I'm glad all of our guests have just and- been absolutely wonderful. To be honest. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the one guest that's just gonna make me go. Oh my god! Can we just end this already? we haven't. I'm glad that wasn't me. I'm glad that wasn't me. I thought it might oh, be. No. You're absolutely great. <laughs> you're absolutely great oh my god the, the, um talking to you today it has been has been really really fun breath of fresh um, air but as, <laughs> yeah, it's a huge breath of fresh air but um as we can as we conclude today's episode um what do you want your audience to take from your podcast and also a message today here at the universal podcast okay so what i want people to take from from my show i guess really is it's just the value of reading. And I know that I said we do it as a joke. We kind of say like, oh, yeah, Gen Z's don't know about books and they need to read more. But actually, that's not totally a joke. It's, you know, it's only a half joke because actually, no, they do need to read more. And I I kind of want to, people to realize that reading can be fun and that can be enjoyable. And, you know, you don't have to mm-hmm. challenge yourself to, to read. It should just be there was a time when people read instead of you know watching television so it, it can be fun and i just want people to realize the value of reading uh, it, it improves you as a person it, you know it gives you better vocabulary uh, it, as i said before it can improve your conversational skills and it, but it's just a nice story i just love getting lost in a book and i think that i try, I try to put that across on the show that i you know it's just so good to read and it's a lovely experience and you you, you can learn a lot as well so i just want to kind of put that across to people and that's a beautiful that's that is a beautiful message and i completely agree with you um reading is like reading is is important um and it's rewarding you just you just you discover you discover what you like and what you don't like you discover more about yourself through reading yeah no don't get me wrong i have to admit so i have in Mm -hmm. my queue i have the kind of monte cristo and I think it's around 1,200 oh, wow. or 1,300 pages long. Oh, and wow. I'm looking at it thinking, oh, and I love the author. I love Dumas, but I'm just looking at it thinking this is going to be a big one. Like, and, you know, it's still daunting, you know, even though I love reading, it's still daunting opening a book that you know is going to take that long. Yeah, I've actually read Count of Monte Cristo and also watched the anime and the adaptations. And yeah, um, I actually kind of became a fan of of the Count of Monte Cristo because of the anime. At first, I heard that okay, and I was like, cool. "Oh!" Then I heard there was a book, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna read it." And <laughs> I went online and found someone who was reselling it on eBay, and uh, got my hands on this chonker of a book, and was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah. <it's laughs> and to be fair, I've read all of Dumas' Three Musketeers stuff, and combined, oh, it's probably oh. longer. 
Yeah, because it's five, it's five <laughs> books realistically, so it's probably longer. Really? But it's just seeing this one big volume is uh, still a little bit daunting. Yeah, it's mm. definitely a hard read, but a a classic good one for sure. Well, that's what I'm thinking. It's it's on my shelf. I think for in around June. Mm -hmm. my, my girlfriend says that I, I sometimes do take the fun away from reading because I schedule it too much. You know, she prefers to just kind of read <laughs> casually. And I'm like, no, I know how many pages I'm going to read every day. And I know how long each book's going to take. It's just like, that's not fun. <laughs> Being organized no. isn't, doesn't take away from the fun. It makes it more consistent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, well, it, yeah. It, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You're being consistent and you're putting a lot of, and you meet a particular time for something that you absolutely love and, you, and you're very passionate for. So I don't see anything wrong with that. I will tell her that. <laughs> I, need some, I need some more people backing me up on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, is there any uh, our support. any like old book relics or things that you just like you really want to get your hands on, but it's like really hard to find because of how old it is? I like um, cause so... for me, I think I I really I really want to get my hands on the Nihongi or Nihon Shoki, which is like a Japanese classical history and mythology book, and I think it was written in like 720 AD. <laughs> but they have like other copies. Wow. But I would love to get my hands on just some kind of physical copy of the Nihon Shoki. And... Mm. I don't know if there's anything in particular. Like I can't think of one specific book, but as a general rule. I just want to read so many more books from that uh, that time period, uh, that kind of Victorian time period that I'm in at the moment, and mm -hmm. I can't always find them in the in the cheap bookshop that I go to. And I swear I've literally spent you know two hours in that shop looking for a specific book. I was actually looking for Twenty Years After, which is the sequel to the Three Musketeers, the second book in the series. I spent mm -hmm. two hours looking for it. I was on the floor you know, lying down, surrounded by about 200 books that I think no one had touched in years, you know, everywhere. The whole floor was just covered in books in this store trying to find the book. And that was my elusive book. But then I found it and I was so, so thrilled. <laughs> um, and I mean, I could get it online. You know, most of the books that I want to read, I could get online. I want to read some more Wilkie Collins. Um, I've been tempted to read some Scarlet Pimpernel books because I've never read those. Um, but there's a lot of stuff mm. that I, you know, I could get it online, but I want to find it in, in physical copy in a shop, you know, because I'd like to help the local economy as well by helping, you know, local booksellers. Oh yeah, that's the save the bookstores, please. I, the, the bookstores are precious. Yeah, that's honestly like an experience I I would die to have to be able to just go into a store like the one you're speaking of. There's just books everywhere, and you're just kind of just diving and searching, and no one's just like, hey get all that shit up or anything like that how it is here they're very very <laughs> particular about making things very very neat and very well put together and once a book's damaged mm -hmm. they just kind of throw it out yeah no this it's... is this place has limited organization and when you take books off the shelves you discover there's more books hidden behind and it's like oh no the shop just doubled in size somehow because every book has more books behind it so there's now there's not mm -hmm. just a million books there's you know an infinite amount of books in this shop and it's just yeah. trying to find something and you can walk away with a hundred books but if you go in specifically looking for that one book it can be impossible so it's a, it's a needle in a haystack it is and we uh, pj and i call it the magic bookshop because you know you never know what you're going to walk out bookshop. with um mm. and yeah you gotta go to belfast <laughs> <laughs> but um how big is your library do you do you know like for you like your personal library or 
segment surprisingly not that big i mean i'd say a couple hundred books um but i did a clear out um so what mm. i what i did was for a while i wasn't buying books i mentioned that i got you know that library subscription so a lot of books that i would have liked to buy i just rented from that library because um, mm. that was 70 pounds for a year so i got through hundreds of pounds worth of books you know so then for a year or two i wasn't buying much and then i also cleared out a lot of the for a long time when I was younger, I was just reading a lot of crime fiction, a lot of Jeffrey Deaver and John Grisham, kind of legal detective type thrillers. And I had loads of those and I was just reading stuff along that. So I, I did clear out oh, a lot of Those are that. always fun to, those are They're always fun, fun yeah. to read. And I, I read those almost exclusively for a couple of years, you know, in my late teens and kind of in and around college age. But I cleared out a lot of old stuff from my parents' house and kind of almost started fresh. So I've got a couple mm. hundred just. Mm -hmm. And if you were to put a number on all the books you've read, all the way up to date from when you first started reading, what would you put that number at? Oh, wow. Um... Based, on, uh... based, on what, um, based on what I'm guessing, you're probably you're probably in the hundred thousands or the millions. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'd say certainly thousands anyway, I would, I would hope. Yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I knew that would be a hard question. I, I just thought that you were, I wanted to see how, like, how you would calculate, because I know you have, like, a very consistent schedule and you're very organized, so that you just feel like, oh, yeah, yeah uh, 2,700, <laughs> you know, just, like, no. off the top of your head. The consistent <laughs> schedule is only really in the last, you know, two years, you know, so before mm -hmm. that it was a little bit lax. And one thing I, I learned, and this is really sad, but when I was at university, it was the time when I did the least reading because mm. I wasn't having time to read novels. I was just reading, you know, the required reading for my classes. And I was mm. studying ancient history and philosophy. But since leaving university, I've read more ancient history and philosophy than I ever did there. Because mm. what I was doing there was, you know, what is the minimum that I have to read for this class and just reading that. And I wasn't actually reading for enjoyment. And I think that's that was really sad. Mm. So I, I did so little reading at the time when you would think I would have done the most. Mm. That's actually really interesting, and that is a very fair point because university just takes up your entire life. And same thing with like some people who have to work and be at a university. Like I guess you really wouldn't have time oh, to read yeah. at all without sacrificing sleep. It's like any hobby, even you know, even if you're a gamer or anything like that. Like if you go to university, it takes a lot of your time. And, yeah, uh, and I was working. I was working full time as well as going to university. So I oh, was, dude. I was, you know, oh just basically permanently exhausted for for three years. You know, so that, there was oh. no time to read novels. Maybe maybe during you know summer vacation or whatever, I would read a novel. But I, I didn't really do not no, not a, not a fraction of what I do now. Well, it's good that you're able to mm -hmm. like keep your passion for reading even after that. You know, that kind of like break from it. You know. A lot of times I see people, Absolutely. they go to college or they start careers and a lot of hobbies and passions or things that they really enjoy, they just stop enjoying because they don't have time to enjoy them. And when they finally get the time, they're just like, eh, I don't really feel like it. You know, they don't really get back into it. So it's really nice to see that, mm -hmm. that passion is so strong with you that you even made a podcast out of it. It's really amazing, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is, it, it is easy to lose that motivation, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I've just been, been lucky with it or it's just something that I've cared enough to, to read. But... I mean, I will be a completist. So, for example, a number of years ago, I can't remember how long ago, maybe five or six years, PJ lent me one Agatha Christie book. And I was like, really, Agatha Christie? I don't think I want to read that. You know, and I read it and I thought, oh, this is brilliant. And now I've got 70 Agatha Christie books on my shelf. You know, mm -hmm. so if I like something, I will go all in for it. That's good. 
It's actually really nice because that's dedication. That takes a lot of determination and just commitment. Yeah. But a lot of ah. Gen Z and millennials kind of lack too. So I guess that probably is why we're probably that can contribute to the reasons why we don't consistently read as well. We have a yeah. Of yeah. But I just remembered an, almost an answer to your previous question a while ago because that's some of my elusive books. Because I, I think Agatha Christie wrote between 70 and 80 novels. Mm -hmm. So I, there's just a few that I don't have. And again, I, I guess I could find them online, but I just keep going to the, the bookshop that I go to, or sometimes charity shops, because you know sometimes they'll sell random little books, and I'm looking for those few elusive books that I don't have, you know, in that collection. But the problem is, her books are also similar. That you pick one up and you look at it and you read the back and you think, I don't know if I've read this or not. So you end up with like three copies of the same one because you you just didn't remember if you'd read it or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that happens. That happens a lot with, with uh, even like. The, Mongos and comic you are constantly taking out this stack of books it's like an entire person high and then you come back and then turn return them back to the library go back to the library like, did i read these <laughs> <laughs> we kind of blend together well i actually yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. i want to set up a surprise challenge even crystal didn't know that i was going to do this but i like putting people under oh, pressure so, uh, <laughs> i'm going to give you 30 seconds and i have a timer right here and okay. you're going to name your top five artists or writers off the top of your head. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, I think so. All right, ready, set, and go. Top five writers. So number one is definitely Dickens by a, by a country mile. And uh, mm -hmm. he is the novel. Uh, number two, I'm going to put Wilkie Collins, friend of Dickens, who I'm reading a bit of at the moment. And uh, number three, I think I, it's impossible not to put Shakespeare in there. And I think number, mm. number four, I'm going to put Dumas, who did obviously Count of Monte Cristo and The Three Musketeers. Uh, I think he's an amazing, amazing writer. Mm -hmm. And then if I can switch it up a little bit for number five, I'm going to put George Orwell. Nice. <laughs> yeah, George Orwell. I, I love. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely good. Okay, I actually, I like, like, like your top five. That's really good. And you literally finished at exactly 30 seconds, I think. <laughs> I'm also really very good. good with timing, and I knew I was just finishing on time. <laughs> That was I have this good skill, actually. Sometimes I'll be hanging out with the girlfriend, and she'll say, "I wonder what time it is," and I'll say, "Hmm, must be about 5:45." And she'll say, "How do you know?" I say, "Well, an hour and a half ago it was whatever," and I checked, and I know how much time has passed. I'm really good at judging that. So. Oh wow, that's actually really cool. That's a, that's great. That is incredible. He's a walking watch, a walking musician, and a walking book library. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Oh man, that's really cool. Yeah. Alright, well, I feel like we've covered really everything. Is there anything you want to say? Uh, any, so, any social medias? Um, and yeah, I mean, the only thing I would, everyone... I would sort of obviously just want to plug the show, so it's Books Boys, and if you just go to booksboys.com, you'll find on there all the links to, you know, Apple, I keep calling it iTunes, but I guess it's Apple Podcasts now, and Spotify, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, you know, our, our Twitter and um instagram and all that i put instagram photos every day little photos of books and i've got teddy bears reading books and i'm you know getting really oh, into cute. photography almost just could you know finding new and creative ways to display books so there's all stuff going on there too it's amazing oh, oh so so everyone please so please look out for books boys and this has been a universal experience I would like to thank the Dean for coming to the Dean coming for, to our podcast. Check out the Dean for, and on books, on books voice. And 
make sure you make sure you follow us on social media and and wherever you find our podcast on spot on spotify apple breaker and 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 wherever you get your podcasts and we will see you later everyone say bye 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 say magical <laughs> <laughs>